0: Welcome to another episode of Mentor Musings. I'm JC, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Brett. And today we have, uh, I think, a really important topic for every startup founder out there. But in particular, I think if you're in the B2B space. So Brett, uh, I had a founder this week talk to me about the rejection that they got or the objection that they were receiving in the sales process, which is, hey, I really like your products, I really like your vision, but I'm worried that you're a startup, and I'm worried about the risk that working with a new company, um, you know, can kind of bring to my, my 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 venture and my product. So, what, in your opinion, is is the frequency with which founders should expect to receive this type of feedback? Do you see this quote startup objection raised often for early stage businesses, particularly in the B2B space?
1: Yeah, definitely. You see it raised and it's probably one of the most common objections that you're going to get that. And maybe we can cover in part two is, you know, the, the prospect isn't going to do anything but the two really different paths. So I think as a founder, you've got to be expecting this this question coming into the process and where I think. Um, it depends on who you're who you're selling into right at the enterprise level more sophisticated you know probably a lot more risk in what they're doing so yeah you're going to be small Um, You may not have a lot of history, but what you do have going for you is the flexibility being nimble and heavily focused on on the service aspect of it, right? So, hey, we're in this, we know it may not be perfect, but we really think we can help you solve this problem, right, you started the company because you're solving a problem that obviously nobody else had solved it to your satisfaction, right? So use that to your advantage, right? This is how we solve it differently. We may be, like I said, younger, but we're more nimble and more focused on making sure you get the value out of, of what we're selling. So it's overly simple, but I think that if you can raise it earlier, even as part of uh, the, the, your pitch or part of it, say, Hey, we know we're new, but this is why we're doing it. This is what's different. Here's the team that's here to support you, et cetera, et cetera. So kind of a long winded answer to your question, JC, but I do think it is going to be one of the first, you know, questions you're going to have to overcome.
0: Yeah, precisely. I would say in my experience, if you don't get that question, particularly if you really are, you know, stage zero, stage one of the venture, right? You know, if you don't have dozens of of clients yet on on your platform, kind of, I would argue that if you're not getting that question, um, I wouldn't internalize it too much, but it could mean that they're not seriously considering your platform, right? Or considering your solutions. Very true. I think you're absolutely correct though. It's something that you need to expect and embrace, right? Um, and I think number one, what you're trying to do is is respond to this in a way where they feel like they can they can mitigate to themselves the risk associated with working with any startup. You know, and, and so what I would recommend doing is sitting down and thinking proactively like, well, what are the risks, particularly with your product and with this customer? You know. <clears throat> Another thing that I would recommend doing is in the discovery process, expecting the question, but also asking them, hey, have you ever worked with a startup company or with a new venture. Um, I think that's, that's really, really important because you can understand if they've had experiences before, what was good and what was bad. But the key thing, Brett, that you touched on is critical. Use it as an opportunity to be contrarian, right? You know, if you're being stacked up against, let's say, some direct competitors or even indirect competitors that are bigger and more established than you, don't try to make yourself big necessarily, but but embrace the fact of what you being small means to them, that you're their top priority, that, that you as a business need this value to be delivered. Otherwise, you're gonna have a difficult time expanding beyond that. So, you know, it, it kind of puts both of you in this boat of saying, hey, the outcome of this experience for you is even more critical to me than maybe some of the bigger players. So I don't know. I mean, what, what yeah. steps have you recommended to founders to kind of help you know, continue to mitigate that conversation once they get past the problem statement and once they say, OK, well, I recognize you're a startup. Are there any other tips or tricks and, and, and kind of strategies you've seen work?
1: Yeah, I think one of the bigger ones maybe starts a step before that that says, "Hey, you know, I'm not just looking for customers. I'm looking for a, a partner, right? As we're going through this journey, we know we can help. But you know, and I found a lot more success, you know, kind of approaching it that way versus trying to do a hard sell. But hey, yeah, we know we're young in this. We know we've got a really cool product, and we're just looking for people to come along. My apologies for the light, but that's live broadcasting for you. Um, that that's going to be around the ride." with us, right? We're going to want your feedback and you know, you're going to help I don't want to put all the bumps the uh, the burden on the potential customer but approach it more of a collaboration that hey we got this core we'll help you grow with this you know early get in but your your earlier point about risk mitigation is important right because they say what happens if you're not here in six months is my business going to go away depending if it's more of a technology problem that's embedded into the core of your business that's going to be a much bigger risk where if you're sitting on top of something or it's additive you're gonna have less risk to that to that process so I think it's really who you're targeting initially and don't spend a ton of time that if it's a a customer that's just really nervous about the the possible finder that move on to the next customer. It's just don't spend too much time and find that right audience initially.
0: Yeah, and it requires when you're selling in those earlier stages, uh, uh, like a tenacity as well, right? Yeah. Because you're gonna get that objection quickly. And, and a lot of founders I've seen will respond to it and say, well, okay, you know, maybe I can come back to you next time. And yes, you do want to circle back with them at some point, but be persistent because especially early on, even the no's, even if it's in a, like, if you know for certain it's gonna end up being a no, there's value in you going through that process and just honing your response and your pitch craft on, on how to answer this objection and respond to this objection so you know I think it's important to definitely not beat a dead horse and to not have, you know, inverse expectations that if they're really, really nervous, you're not going to be able to convince them. So leave them in a position at the end of the sales conversation to circle back up later once you've built yourself out because they're not a customer now, but they might be a customer in the future. But still use that opportunity, even if you know the objection is going to come as a no in the end, to use that as a chance to really learn how to respond to this. Uh, Brett, any any final thoughts or questions on, on I think this really important topic for founders?
1: Yeah really important, and maybe if we've got just 30 or 60 seconds to talk kind of like subset B of that objection is the do nothing customer, right? That I think a lot of founders are really good understanding their features and benefits set against the competition and why they're different and better, but they really struggle to come against, we're not going to do anything. So you've got to plant that sense of urgency and I think it ties to the risk mitigation and getting that customer off of their do nothing standpoint and it's it's shocking i would say probably again this is completely unscientific but a lot of the deals lost probably at least half of them are the customer didn't end up doing anything. So you weren't able to convey the value of your product beyond just features and benefits, which comes back to that problem solving and why you're the best choice to help them solve that problem or really understand why solving this problem is important. So I know we probably touch a whole other subject on all the objection handling, but I do think the do nothing customer is almost as big of a thorn in the side of startup founders as you know the early stage question that you get.
0: Absolutely, and, and I'll just say this to conclude, that when you have those do-nothing customers, it starts first, with changing the question that they're asking themselves because what they're not sold on yet is is maybe the question that your product answers or the way that your product answers a certain question. So that's really where you have to go kind of beyond consultative in the sales process and really help them understand why this should be the priority that they are focusing on and then why your solution is what help address that priority. So great topics, Brett. I think we can do a whole series on startup objections and sales objections and maybe we will Um, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Please like, subscribe, comment, share with your fellow founders. And until next time, best of luck with your venture.
1: See you, JC. Have a good weekend.